Hey folks, have you heard of cancer-fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and vegetables may actually lower your risk of cancer. Think about that for a second. That's really important. Hopefully, you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. But if you're like me, you probably don't have the time to do that, right? So maybe you should consider adding Field of Greens to your daily health regimen. Each fruit and veggie in Field of Greens was doctor-selected for studied health benefits. There's a heart health group, lungs, kidneys, and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is in each scoop of delicious Field of Greens. I take it every day. Sometimes I put it in a shake. Sometimes I put it in my egg white omelet in the morning. Field of Greens can help prevent, treat, and cure cancer? No, but it can powerfully help you audit your next checkup. Your doctor will notice your improved health or you're going to get your money back. Here's the most amazing thing about it. I started using Field of Greens a year ago. My cholesterol is down. My blood sugar is down. My weight's down. My health is up. My sleeping patterns are better. My metabolism is up. If you want to experience what I've experienced, go check out Field of Greens. Jump into the ring here. You're going to get an enormous benefit. And it's so simple. Single scoop, a couple of seconds, healthy lifestyle all day long. Now, thanks to our good friends at Brickhouse Nutrition, Field of Greens is going to give you a 15% off discount plus free rush shipping. All you got to do is go to fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS for your discount. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Fieldofgreens.com, promo code JUSTNEWS. Go check it out. America and happy Wednesday, the day after a major primary set of elections in battleground states like Michigan and Missouri and, of course, Arizona. So far, the over-under on last night's voting, Donald Trump-endorsed candidates did very, very well. There's still a cliffhanger in Arizona. We don't know if Kerry Lake is going to win the governor's nomination for the Republican Party. But elsewhere in the Republican primaries, most of the major Trump candidates won. Blake Masters for Arizona Senate. Mark Fincham for Secretary of State in Arizona. Tudor Dixon, the upstart candidate and my former colleague at Real America's Voice. She won the GOP gubernatorial nomination in Michigan. John James running for a House seat out in Michigan. He won. Peter Meyer, the congressman, freshman Republican who voted for Trump's impeachment in January 2021. He got beat. He was ousted, thrown out. Another win for Donald Trump. He was one of the ones that Donald Trump was really focused on. All across the country, Trump-endorsed candidates fared very well. Eric Schmidt won in Missouri. That was a big win. The president clearly was referring to him when he said he was endorsing Eric with that famous statement the day before the election. Lots of good races all around this country. Democrats also had some decisions to make. Katie Hobbs is going to be the person who squares up for the Arizona governor's race against whoever wins it on the Republican side. Right now, Kerry Lake is in the lead by a couple of points, but it's not certain yet who's going to win. I'm going to wait for some more absentee and live vote to be counted. But Lake's in the lead. All the other Trump candidates in Arizona won, so he swept the rest of the slate. If Kate Lake wins, he'll have swept the entire state. Missouri, the big win, of course, is for Tudor Dixon, my former colleague at Real America's Voice. We've got a great show for you today, including a audio scoop, a video scoop that I think you're going to want to listen to. Democrats may be talking one way in public about Joe Biden, but in private, they're letting their hair down. We've got an incredible, powerful example. Senator Bob Menendez, the chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. Oh, by the way, the same committee Joe Biden used to chair before he was vice president 
under Barack Obama, he made some stinging comments about President Biden in a private speech he gave, a private set of comments he gave to an Iranian dissident group. You're going to want to hear that. We're going to play that for you in just a few seconds. But let me give you the lineup first. Our leadoff guest today needs no introduction, but he is really one of the most powerful thinkers in the national security space, the former national security advisor to President Donald Trump, the former national security advisor to Vice President Mike Pence, retired U.S. Army general, and one, like I said, one of the keenest minds and the author of one of the most important books, I think, that's been written over the last couple of years. Really a powerful story that I read just over the 4th of July. In fact, War by Other Means, a general in the Trump White House by General Keith Kellogg. He'll be joining us. He'll be our leadoff guest today. We're going to talk China, Russia, Ukraine. Probably have to talk about those comments made by Senator Menendez, which you're going to hear in a second. But a great all-around thing, Nancy Pelosi's trip to Taiwan wrapping up. I'm sure the general has something to say about that. I would imagine he might have to give some rare praise to Nancy Pelosi. He and Nancy Pelosi don't see eye to eye on a lot of things, but I think supporting Taiwan is something people across all political spectrums appear to support, except for the Biden White House, which seemed to have cold feet about him. Go figure that one out. All right, after General Kellogg, which I think we're going to cover the world in 20 minutes or less, it's going to be really, really fun. Let's take a look at some other good reporting we've done. Last night on the Just the News Not Noise TV show, we had David Williams, the president of the Taxpayers Protection Alliance, a very important voice on the runaway spending in Washington. He weighed in on some very important things. Will Kristen Sinema, the Arizona senator, Join Joe Manchin and give Joe Biden a $700 billion spending win, one that people think will hurt inflation even more. Or will she hold out and foil the whole plan and deliver a stinging rebuke to Joe Biden? Because, by the way, she was cut out of the negotiations. It was an all-boys club. Joe Manchin, Chuck Schumer, Joe Biden having a little side deal and leaving the woman in the room, the one of the most important women in the room, out in the cold. Will that come back to bite the Biden White House? I don't know yet, but we're going to find out. But David's going to talk about all of those things. So General Keith Kellogg, David Williams, two great guests back to back. But first, let's turn to the story I broke this morning. We know that Democrats have worries about Joe Biden's historically low, all-time low approval ratings. The President Joe Biden is currently the lowest rated president at this point as president of any of the 46 presidents who have held that office since the founding of our country. We know that's a drag on Democrats. They're worried about their impact on the midterm elections. But out in open, there's still a lot of camaraderie, a lot of rah-rah, some careful distancing from the president, but not big shoves in the ribs. But in private, the game is a lot more brass knuckles. I'm telling you because I was able to obtain video and audio of a speech that Senator Bob Menendez of New Jersey, the chairman of the powerful Senate Foreign Relations Committee, that he just gave to an Iranian dissident group about two weeks ago. This is the MEK group, the National Council for Resistance of Iran, important ally in fighting the mullahs in Iran for U.S. and Western forces. It is pretty remarkable that behind closed doors, Senator Menendez, who's you know been kind of tepidly cool to the Iran resumption talks, the nuclear deal talks that Joe Biden's been endlessly pursuing for 18 months. But in the private setting, when the American cameras weren't rolling, though it turns out there were some Albanian cameras running, Bob Menendez scorched Joe Biden and called the pursuit of the Iranian deal fantasy land. Listen to this soundbite. But the Iranian regime continues to play this nefarious role. 
It continues to support terrorism abroad and advance its nuclear capabilities at home. Unfortunately, despite severe overtures from this administration to engage in a constructive dialogue on Iran's nuclear program, a return to the 2015 deal is not only unrealistic and unproductive, it is a fantasy. Ouch! Oh, man, that's pretty thing. Hey, why are we dealing, he asks, with Iran when it continues to support terrorism abroad and advances nuclear capabilities at home? He called, I think he intentionally used these words, severe overtures is what he called Biden's repeated efforts to get Iran to come to the table. But he said that a return to the 2015 JCPOA deal, the Iran deal that Barack Obama struck, is not only unrealistic and unproductive, it is a fantasy. Sounds like a Republican. Well, I'm telling you, this is the sort of thing the Democrats are doing behind closed doors. They have much, much greater concern about the president in private settings than they have in the public domain, all important stuff. And so give it a listen. Go check out the whole videotape. We get the whole videotape up on justthenews.com on our Rumble channel as well. But behind closed doors, the Senate Foreign Relations Committee chairman, a Democrat, called the Iran deal what a lot of people have always said it is. It's a fantasy. It's not going to happen. It's not even productive for it to happen to America. How about that? Our president, according to his one of his highest ranking Democrats in the Senate, said it's a fantasy. All right. Well, I'm sure we're going to talk to General Kellogg about that right after the commercial break. But first, let's hear from our great sponsors, partners, and advertisers when we get back. First up, General Keith Kellogg, former National Security Advisor to President Trump. He's up first, and then we'll have David Williams from the Taxpayer Protection Alliance. Great show right after these messages. Hey folks, have you heard of cancer-fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and vegetables may actually lower your risk of cancer. Think about that for a second. That's really important. Hopefully, you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. But if you're like me, you probably don't have the time to do that, right? So maybe you should consider adding Field of Greens to your daily health regimen. Each fruit and veggie in Field of Greens was doctor-selected for studied health benefits. There's a heart health group, lungs, kidneys, and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is in each scoop of delicious Field of Greens. I take it every day. Sometimes I put it in a shake. Sometimes I put it in my egg white omelet in the morning. Field of Greens can help prevent, treat, and cure cancer? No, but it can powerfully help you audit your next checkup. Your doctor will notice your improved health or you're going to get your money back. Here's the most amazing thing about it. I started using Field of Greens a year ago. My cholesterol is down. My blood sugar is down. My weight's down. My health is up. My sleeping patterns are better. My metabolism is up. If you want to experience what I've experienced, go check out Field of Greens. Jump into the ring here. You're going to get an enormous benefit. And it's so simple. Single scoop, a couple of seconds, healthy lifestyle all day long. Now, thanks to our good friends at Brickhouse Nutrition, Field of Greens is going to give you a 15% off discount plus free rush shipping. All you got to do is go to fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS for your discount. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Fieldofgreens.com, promo code JUSTNEWS. Go check it out. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. 
Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. So excited to have this next guest on. He makes a complicated world really understandable. He is the former national security advisor to both Vice President Mike Pence and President Trump, the co-chairman of the Center for American Security, and one of the keenest minds in all of military and diplomatic strategy. He is retired General Keith Kellogg. General, great to have you back on the show. John, good to be with you, and thanks for having me. Oh, it's an honor to have you on. I want to start with something that seems like a very strong contrast in the last couple of days. Obviously, a big win for the CIA. We took one of the great terrorists from the 9-11 era, one of the plotters for that, the successor to Osama bin Laden, Ayman al-Zawari. He gets hit by a drone strike. Big win. But the way the media covered this drone strike versus the two big ones that occurred on your watch at the Trump administration, Soleimani and al-Baghdadi, seemed to be a very different tenor in the media coverage. Did you see the same thing I did? Yeah, John. Well, I'm shocked. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. You know, it was basically because Trump was Trump and they didn't want to give us any real credit for it. You know, Joe Biden, when he was a candidate out there, criticized us for going after Soleimani, saying, uh, well, it'd probably start another war in the Middle East a big concern about that, and, and which was baloney. It was a lot of noise is what it was. And then we went after Baghdadi. You know, one was a drone strike on Soleimani in Baghdad, and then the other was a ground strike by Delta Force, uh, supported by all the other agencies, uh, in, actually in Syria, when we got Baghdadi. Uh, so it was both, you know, and those were both very, very successful strikes. And you look at uh, the administration, the current administration now taking a lot of credit for Sawahiri, and they got him with a drone strike. And said, you know, they kind of, I was thought a year ago when Biden said there were no more Al Qaeda in, in Afghanistan. Well, I guess he missed one or two. One of them was Sawahiri. You know, um, um, but, it, but it's just, a, I hate to say this, John, but it's sort of typical of the media where it's grud, they grudgingly give you some respect for what you did. But, you know, I got to tell you, I remember when we killed Soleimani, you know, we talked to ben, uh, Benjamin Netanyahu then the prime minister of Israel, about a couple of weeks after he came back into the United States. And he said, you guys ate the, the arm off the tiger by killing Soleimani. He said, you have totally changed the Middle East by doing what you did. It showed you know, a lot of resolve and courage to go after him. So I take, you know, I'll take what, Sol- what uh, Benjamin Netanyahu said over what, what Joe Biden said back then. I totally agree. And I think the world knows that we're safer. Uh, Soleimani was one of the great butchers of the last 30 years. And World War III wasn't started by it. In fact, there's been a much more peaceful time. Iran's still agitating, but not with the spectacular attacks of the past. So that's been a win for our country and, quite frankly, for the whole world. Let's pivot to Iran while we're on that topic, because Soleimani was a big win. The Arab peace deals that the Trump administration was able to put together with Israel, another big win, changing the dynamics in the Middle East. But Joe Biden is trying to go back and capture the old JCPO agreement with Iran. We have some video footage we were given yesterday. We have it up on our site today. It is of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee Chairman Bob Menendez. By the way, the same committee Joe Biden once chaired before he was vice president. But here's the big twist to it. He makes very clear that he believes President Biden's whole approach to Iran is a fantasy. That's the word he uses. Not realistic not productive for the United States. These are private comments, a little different than the way Democrats give Joe Biden treatment in the public mainstream. 
but sounds much more, well, like a Republican or a good conservative security expert like you, surprised to hear Bob Menendez say that behind closed doors? No, not really. You know, I think they all realize you know, Biden chasing a new JCPOA, the JCPOA, uh, on the Iran uh, nuclear deal is fool's gold. He's not going to go there. And everybody knows it. And they're trying to put, you know, put together the same guy uh, in, in the State Department. Rob Malley is the same guy who put the first one together. He put together the second one trying to get it done. The Iranians are not going to go there. They know what was, was going to happen. They're just playing us for time. And they're going to have, a, I believe, a nuclear breakout within this year, have the ability to have enough enriched uranium to, to develop and build a nuclear bomb. They don't have the delivery means yet but to, to, to build one. And, and it was just, it was a lot of noise level out there. It was never going to happen. The Iranians, you know, I got to give credit. You know, these people are not stupid. You know, sometimes you think your foreign adversaries are idiots, and they're not. They're very shrewd. They're very smart. They're looking at their country, and they're, so it's, it's not going to happen. Look, when, you, when you're trying to do new negotiations on the new Jacoa, and your negotiator, Mali, is in a hotel in a separate room, and you're not even part of the negotiations, because the Iranians won't let you. Well, that kind of says it all right there that you're really not negotiating at all. So I might, I, and I think that everybody's a little bit concerned about what Iran's going to do, because I think it's going to be totally destabilizing, John, within the Middle East. If they get the ability to build a, a nuclear weapon in the short term, having enough enriched uranium, which, which they're building towards right now, uh, I think it's going to destabilize. And what I mean that by destabilize the Saudis are going to be looking elsewhere. If they have to buy a bomb, they'll buy a bomb. Uh, you're going to look at the, the Emiratis the same way. You have, you look at, the, of course, the Israelis will be exceptionally concerned. And I think they may take some very resolute action if they have to. But they're actually, you know, using the centrifuges and enriching the uranium in a very, very deeply buried target site. We all, we've always known that. It's pretty well known in the world. But trying to get to it is going to be really, really hard. And, you know, when we were going with the Jukpoa, the reason we wanted to do it, we knew that there was a sunset clause in Jukpoa. We wanted to extend that permanently uh, because what the Obama administration did when they negotiated that, that deal was going to end in a period of time anyway. And we said, no, it can't do that. Just have to extend it indefinitely. And that's the reason we put the sanctions on them. So I don't think Menendez is wrong. He's right. I think he knows it. I think everybody knows it. They're just whistling past the graveyard. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And of course, they can't criticize the president publicly because uh, we're an electioneer and they don't want to depress their Democratic voters anymore. They are. But in private, it seems that assessment is spot on. It seems to be very similar to what the intelligence community long ago had concluded. Going back to Alzwar just for a second, it is pretty stunning. I mean, obviously a big victory for the CIA and good for them. A nice piece of revenge, too, because there wasn't that long ago that al-Qaeda did a double agent operation where they killed a CIA officer who thought she was getting lead information on al So It's a big win for the CIA. But the second part of this is, since we left Afghanistan, apparently al felt comfortable to be strolling around in Kabul, not worried. There seems to be a large presence of new al-Qaeda people now under the safe protection of the Taliban. Have we lost a lot of ground since Joe Biden's exit last year? I think we have, John, and I think it's sort of like the hole in the wall gang. You know, that's a, when you look at Iran, uh, Afghanistan right now, I mean, all the bad guys of the world are, are kind of saying, well, we can go to Afghanistan, kind of sit out and be cool. Uh, it is like Badlands territory right now because the Taliban really is not a governing agency. They're really, they're not capable of it. They're not set up to do that. So it's kind of like catch as catch can. And, you know, I th- I'm pretty sure the reason Zawahiri went to the middle of Kabul is it was actually kind of a smart move on his part until he got sh- you know, until he was killed. 
is he's, he realized that when you looked at uh, Baghdadi and you looked at uh, um, uh, Osama bin Laden, you know, both of them were in villas in the middle of nowhere. So it was easy to strike them. I think what he was trying to do was get in the middle of a city. And they said, well, if I'm surrounded by all of these people in buildings, they'll be very, very tough to get to. And they may not willing to, especially this administration, will be, be very concerned about on collateral damage. And he was strolling outside a lot. Apparently he was taking morning, morning siestas outside his, his, in his villa. And they were able to see it. And it, it, it's just a matter of time till they got him. You know, I, I remind a lot of people that, you know, $25 million was the bounty. That opens a lot of mouths. And you look at a lot of people saying, yeah, $25 million looks pretty good. We see this guy. We'll track him. The agency has always been very, very good about having uh, secondary people, third party, uh, able to help us out. And they probably picked up on it. They surveyed the target. They, they watched it a lot to make sure that it was accurate the best they could. The only disappointing thing I have about the strike is you're not going to get any confirmation or, or like DNA, much like we did with you know, we did with Osama bin Laden had DNA, Baghdadi we had DNA, Soleimani we had DNA. Uh, we're, we're not with uh, you know with Sarwahiri, but the fact of the matter is it was a righteous kill. Give them credit for it. Of course, they were taking credit after they said everybody was gone. But I think you know, circling back to the, the original you know, premise of your question, do I think it's badland territory with all the terrorists? Yeah, and I think there's other terrorist groups that are out there that'll slowly come to the surface, sort of like the Haqqani network that is there as well, it's going to start to rise. And, you know, people forget that terrorism has been around us since, you know, before the birth of Christ. And it's, and I remember in the seventies, you know, the famous terrorist group, red army faction in Germany, the bottom line, I gang in Germany. And uh, you had the, a lot of the, uh, you know, these European groups that were terrorist groups. So they're going to keep coming at us and we just have to be ready for it. But I think we made a huge mistake in the Middle East. And we basically, I think, to give a lot of credit to President Trump and some credit to Joe Biden, we realized that we can actually do this from a distance if we have to. The CIA is very good about it. And we kept saying, well, the reason we have to stay in Afghanistan, Afghanistan, is the rise of terrorist groups. Now, we're going to keep killing them. We'll kill them from a distance. But we're able to do it because when, when they walked out of there, a lot of criticism was, well, you can't get to these guys. Yeah, we can. You know, we have incredible my experience in the four years in the White House, we have incredible capability and capacity in the intelligence community to run these guys down. And I used to tell people, look, we may not get them tomorrow, a week from Tuesday, but sooner or later, we're going to track all of these guys down. We're going to kill them. Yeah, it's a remarkable skill set. And the people who do it work day and night, they work in anonymity because they're often CIA officers, DIA officers, but they are determined. And the first thing I heard as soon as this happened, I called a couple of my CIA officer friends, and the first thing they said is, hey, we're going to celebrate for oh, about 10 minutes, but you know what? We're after the next guy after that. They never stop, and it's a righteous group of people who toil in often anonymity but do such great work to keep us safe. You know, you know, John, what you said is so true because it, people forget, in that, they just don't, probably don't think about it, but there's more than just one terrorist out there. There's a lot of them out there, and they've got this target list, we do, uh, we're going to keep tracking these guys down and Americans can sleep well at night that they're still on the watch. And not just in the Biden administration or the Trump administration or the Obama administration or, or Bush administration. They've been at this for a long time. They are committed, committed professionals, and they're going to run these guys down to the best of their ability. Yep. Now, it's an amazing thing to watch. I've had the pleasure just to meet a handful of them over the years and they're courageous. They're funny. They've got a great sense of humor. I guess you have to if you do this type of work, but they're out there to keep us safe. And God bless them for the great work they do for us. 
A couple more things. Everyone's been talking about China and Taiwan. Nancy Pelosi's trip to Taipei, uh, wrapping up your thoughts on her decision to go there. And also the way the Biden administration played the trip. It had me scratching my head. How about you? Yeah, yeah, you know, I, you, I, I almost have to bite my tongue when I say this. Congratulations, Nancy Pelosi. You know, I think she was great that she went there. This is, you know, Duke Gingrich, Gingrich went in 1997. It was a bipartisan group. I wish she had taken a bipartisan group with her uh, to, to go to, to Taipei into Taiwan. And, and I think it sends a, a very, very, very good message. You know, where she sits uh, politically, you know, she's third in line of succession to the President of the United States. Very important move. For her to go there, I think she just—I think she was smart for what she did. She has done this with regularity, though. What I mean by that is, you know, she has been very, very forceful in the Chinese, uh, and I think it's been very, very good. People for people have a, a lack of understanding of how important Taiwan can be. You know, they're our ninth largest trading partner, and ninety percent of the most high-end super chips are made in Taiwan. You know. Taiwan is the only democratic government we do not recognize in the world, which is stunning to me. Uh, it is a country of 23 million people, democratically elected government out there. They want to be close to the United States. Are they a threat all the time? Sure they are, because when you look at the size of the militaries, you know, Chinese are the second largest in the world, and Taiwan's like it ranks in the low 20s that are out there. And, and this goes back, it's a 50-year-old program that we actually came up with, the United States did, you know, when... When Nixon visited China, Kissinger was with him as Secretary of State. They initiated the Shanghai communique, and we said, well, there's really only one China, and Taiwan is part of China. We want it to be resolved you know, peacefully. That was over 50 years ago. And that, you know, China at the time was like an emerging country. Now they're an adversary, both politically, militarily, uh, geographically. And we have to be aware of this, this adversary relationship. And this may be a time when we start thinking real hard about our relations with Taiwan. You know, 19, we actually had a defense agreement with them that President Carter abrogated unilaterally in 1976, which, by the way, brought about the Taiwan Relations Act because Congress was so mad that they passed this act to protect Taiwan by giving as much defensive military equipment as they could. But it's time we start thinking hard about, okay, how do we have this relationship with China? How do we have this relationship with Taiwan? You know, Taiwan has never, ever been under the Chinese control of Beijing, regardless of who was running Beijing. It used to be actually a Ch Japanese provincial uh, cap uh, capital, uh, a piece of land. It wasn't Chinese. And so that, yeah, so the Chinese, you know, kind of kind of want it now. And we need to think about the region because this affects just not the United States, but it will greatly affect Japan, the Philippines, Indonesia. Uh, when you look at Vietnam, that whole arc out there because of the expansion of China and how we react to Taiwan is going to be very, very important. Here's my concern, John. Look, I think Xi, President Xi of China, sees what's happening in Ukraine and Russia and the United States politically. And he said, I may only have about two years to resolve this because who knows what's going to happen in two years? Because he is probably thinking, like most of us, that Joe Biden will only be a one-term president. And if he doesn't resolve this in the first the next two years, it may be unresolvable. And he may say, I may take a gamble on this and go forward with it. He's got a problem. And his problem is, you know, the Chinese military has not been tested since the Korean War. And they've got a lot of assets and capability, but so do the Russians. And the Ukrainians have shown what a defense can look like, a good, robust, robust defense. 
And I think he has to be concerned about that. But mass does matter. Strength in numbers does matter. And I'm not too sure that we should sit back quietly because I think within two years, I think Taiwan's going to rise to the level of a the real crisis. Yeah, a lot of the intelligence people I'm talking to have that same worry. It's a really troubling thing. And I, a lot of people said this to me. I want to get your take on this. We just signal so much weakness now that people are actually changing their schedule of ambitions because they think America is the weakest it's ever going to be in these next couple of years. Is there anything Republicans, if they get control of Congress, can do to change the dynamic? Or are we kind of stuck with it as long as the Biden presidency bumbles along? Yeah, I think you can, John. And and when it comes to the defense structure, you know, I, I would remind the U.S. military, the U.S. military is not Google. And what I mean by that is you get away from the woke politics and the woke influence and remind them that they are a defensive force to start with. And with defensive, if defense and deterrence fails, then they'll have to take resolute military action. And they're a fighting force. And we should signal that because I think the Chinese, much like the Russians, look at the U.S. military in a way like, OK, it's a very large force. It has great capacity, but it's also the leadership is a little bit woke right now, and they forget that their main thing is to is to fight. So that is the one thing is to reinforce what the military actually does. And I'd grab a hold of Mark Milley and and Lloyd Austin and remind them of that. And remember that the guys the guys who run the purse strings is the U.S. Congress uh, and how they dictate where that money goes. So I think they can make an effect there. But the other part is, and this is the part where it's the downside. A lot of this is the will of the commander in chief. And if he does not have the political will or, you know, or just the intestinal fortitude to go forward and do something, uh, then I think everybody sees that as weakness. And Joe Biden has got that. Remember, Joe Biden is was the guy that uh, Secretary of Defense Bob Gates, uh, who also was the director of the CIA, said Joe Biden has been wrong on nearly every national security decision in the last 40 years. And then I said, yeah, well, he's not the only guy who said that. Remember, Osama bin Laden, I'm sorry, I have a mistake on that one. Uh, you know, when you when you look at Obama, he looked at his vice president and said, never underestimate Joe's ability to screw something up. And then the third, and, and which I think is the most telling, uh, when they wanted to go after Osama bin Laden sitting in the situation room, uh, it was a, a risky gamble to go after him with uh, SEAL Team 6 when they went in there. Joe, Joe Biden was the one guy in the situation room and said, we shouldn't do this. Well, that sets a pattern. It's a pattern of, of presidential leadership and decision making. And everybody sees that. He's not a, a strong personality when it comes to strong leadership. It's always following the fact after the fact or just slow and plodding. He doesn't make decisions rapidly. And generally, his decisions are wrong. And I can give you chapter and verse time and time again when he's made the wrong calls, going back to Afghanistan going back to what happened in Ukraine when he offered to give Zelensky a ride out of town. And Zelensky said, you know, I, you know, I don't need a ride. I need ammunition. And I, you know, I'll have a beer with a guy like that. Uh, so he's just been kind of wrong on, on everything. And I, adversaries do look at leaders of countries. We do it as well. We have the analysis by the Central Intelligence Agency of all the leaders of the world out there. And their intelligence systems do exactly the same thing as we do which they judge the individual you're talking to or with, you know, and what's their capability and what's their psychological profile. I know it may surprise a lot of people, but that's just normal way of doing business. Yeah, it really is remarkable. And there was a moment where you got another real strong overdose of just how weak the Biden administration was. Last week, secretly or quietly, very quietly, I guess is the right terms, they decided to start building some of the wall back in Arizona. 
in the Yuma Valley this after the president swore to us at the 2019 he would never build another inch that the sentiment behind building a wall was racist, misogynist. Those are words he used in an op-ed. Pelosi called it immoral. Now they got to build it. Some people think they're building it to help Mark Kelly. Some people think they're building it because it actually works. You kind of predicted that Joe Biden might have to do this someday, that he would be proven wrong. What did you make of last week's development? Yeah, you know, <laughs> well, first of all, when you look at border security, that is national security. And the board, I don't care what the DHS secretary says, the border's wide open. Uh, you know, it's not a secure border. Uh, and I think the reason why they're putting the wall back in place, they're looking at places like Yuma, which has got some real penetrations there, uh, of the amount of uh, immigration uh, or aliens, illegal aliens, uh, come across the border and they, they need to stop it. Look, you know, my, my daughter-in-law is, is South African. She's now a naturalized citizen. And she went about the right way. It took her about three years to do it. And there's a way to do it, a right way to do it and a wrong way to do it. And what's happening down the southern border is the wrong way. And I think they're starting to realize that people of Arizona are pretty mad about it. But they also look at what's happening in Texas, in places like Del Rio, which is heavily Hispanic. And those hold, all of those districts are now swinging to the Republican Party. And if you get that swinging of Hispanic votes, which is enormous, when you look at the population size of, of Hispanics, Latinos in, in the United States, it's almost approaching 20 percent. That's a huge voting block. And I think the Democrats are now realizing, uh-oh, we've got a problem here. And it's really self-serving to see that done. And you're not going to hear a lot of noise about it. But, but here's the thing to remember is they'll pick that up in Arizona. You're already seeing that politically of building the wall. And, and we, we understood that the wall by itself was not the most important thing under President Trump, but also enforcing it with our Customer Border Patrol, who are great, great men and women that are serving down there, a lot of times at risk to their lives and to their families as well. And you have to reinforce and support them. And you see what recently happened also with those, you know, border agents, the ones who were using the loose reins um, and they were, you know, disciplined for using loose, loose reins to actually push somebody back in the river. Oh, that person coming across the river was an illegal, you know, and, and you look at them and say, come on, people pick up on this. They start to see us. Um, and, and I think they're start, now starting to realize that uh, well, they've got a, a bad, a very, very bad problem they're trying to fix. But of course, they put the person that's most responsible for that on the border, you know, Kamala Harris. Uh, oh, by the way, she's only been there once, and that was in El Paso. Biden hadn't even been down to the border at all. Just think about that. You know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's really, uh, it's really revealing when you've got the vice president of the United States visiting once. And the president not visiting at all, you know, which is an enormous problem in the south, uh, at the southwest with California, Arizona, uh, New Mexico, and, and Texas as well. And it's really a self-serving comment. But I think they now realize they've got a problem. And it's approaching that we're under 100 days to the, to the midterms. And they're going to have a real, real, real problem in the southwest. Yeah, I believe you're right. I think Arizona is going to turn even redder. Texas and some of those blue counties are going to turn red. And... There's a fundamental realignment of American politics with particularly Latino voters and maybe suburban moms coming back to the Republican Party. And it's driven by common sense. One of the things that's really remarkable is that this isn't rocket science, what the Democrats have wrong. The polling shows it. The everyday language of Americans show it. And they're just driving their car off a cliff. It is unlike something I haven't seen this in a very long time in my political career. It's just fascinating. Real quickly, sir, I know how busy you are. I want to just ask you, 
as you look out over the next 60 to 90 days, we're in a very turbulent world with the Ukraine-Russia struggle, the Middle East, Al-Qaeda, Afghanistan. And of course, we talk about China and Taiwan, which a lot of people have a uncomfortable feeling in the pit of their stomach. What should we be watching for? What are telltale signs of what lies ahead that could play out over the next 60 to 90 days? What are you looking for? Well, I think it's a compilation of events, John. I think when you look at what's happened to Ukraine and Russia, that's going to go on for a lot, uh, you know, a bit longer. Uh, you look at the Middle East when you've got Iran uh, developing a, a potential nuclear weapon and the size of their missile force. You've also got what's happening with China. And all of those confluence of events is, is very destabilizing to me because it's hard enough to handle one crisis, but handling multiple crises, you really have to have the A-team on the ground uh, in, in the White House in this situation room to do it. And I don't think, I know that Biden said he brought the adults back into the room. Well, I think the adults are in the sandbox right now playing like kids. You know, I, I just don't think he had them. And, and I think that's what you have to look for is what is the next crisis that's going to occur and be ready for it and, and be ready for it and plan your way through it. Uh, and the one, you know, we're not talking about is Kim Jong-un out there. You know, what he tends to do is if he's ignored, he shoots rockets up in the air. And that's what I told President Trump when President Trump first asked me, what's this guy doing? I said, sir, you got to give him some attention. He's shooting a rocket to say, hey, hey, I'm over here. Make sure you come over here right now. And we have to be aware of what he's going to do as well. But it's this decision-making, this confluence of events. You know, it goes back to what you said a second ago. I think there's a lot of people out there that will now take the mean tweets over the policy. You know, they, did, they didn't like his mean tweets, Trump's. Uh, they didn't realize how good his policies were. The policies are pretty darn good. And there's a lot of people out there, and I hope a lot of them could be suburban moms. That, you know, I think I'll take the mean tweets now and comparison the policy is so good going on. But when you look at the domestic problems that they've got right now, uh, with, with inflation and immigration as well. And then you look at the overseas events. And a lot of times Americans don't pay attention to the overseas events. But they should because, especially in Europe, you know, the, way, the wavering of Europe, you know, they're going to have a hard time keeping, keeping the, the team together to push back on Russia. When you look at the energy requirements, especially of Germany, which over 40% of their energy comes from Russia, they're going to looking for a pretty cold winter right now because – the, the Russians are metering their energy coming out of Nord Stream 1, not Nord Stream 2, but the first large pipeline that's going there you know, across into Germany. Uh, when you look at that, you look at what's happening in the Middle East. Uh, my experience has always been, John, what happens when you're looking left, something comes from your right. You get the most unexpected hit coming from out of nowhere, and you have to be ready and willing to react in a rapid manner. That is one thing I loved about Donald Trump. Donald Trump, he would make a decision at the drop of a hat, and it was generally pretty darn good based on his instincts going forward, but he wouldn't think about it for very long. He'd say, go do this, make the call, then we'd try to figure out how to make it work. This administration doesn't do it. It always reacts quite slowly. And let me just give you one example that's important for people to realize. You know, when the Ukrainians were fighting back and the world saw that they could fight back, look how long it took us, the United States, to give them military aid that they really needed, that they had asked for for months. And that is like the HIMARS system or the jet, or, or more advanced uh, jet systems or the air defense systems. They weren't ready to give that stuff to the Ukrainians on day one. It took them weeks upon weeks to get them air defense systems or the, the, the HIMARS uh, rocket system out there, even talking about jets uh, to, uh, you know, to strengthen the Air Force, he's very, very slow on the uptake. And in crisis situations, when you're slow, you generally lose. 
Yeah, you're absolutely true. I was talking to a world leader the other day and at least four times in a 10-minute conversation, this leader said, the thing about Joe Biden, he leads from behind and you never win when you're leading from behind. It's really remarkable to hear you know, a foreign leader who reveres the United States having that level of angst about our country and the, and the approach that Joe Biden has taken. So I just want to say one thing, because over the 4th of July, I grabbed War by Other Means, your incredible book, read it a second time. And I want to just thank you for the extraordinary compilation it is, because it's a powerful reminder, particularly now that we're 19 months into Joe Biden, of what confidence looks like, what uh, affirmative America First policies actually result in. And a, a reminder that if you underestimate the political war that's now going on in the United States, you do it at your own peril. It's such a great book. I, once I started picking up over the weekend, I could not put it down. Folks, everybody should go to Amazon. If you haven't bought it, get this book, War by Other Means by General Keith Kellogg. Sir, just want to thank you. It is a masterpiece to read. It really is. Thanks, John. I appreciate it. All right. Well, thank you for your time. We covered the whole globe in 25 minutes. That was pretty good. I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's an honor to have you on. So you're a national treasure. You really are. Yeah, thanks, John. Thanks for having me. Have a good one. We'll talk to you soon. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. All right, folks, as we draw near to another critical election, it's not only about casting your vote, it's about elevating your voice, making your voice be heard. AMAC is more than just a senior discount organization. They unite like-minded patriots like you and I, committed to preserving our cherished values and actively opposing the leftist agenda that's sweeping across America. Just look at their recent victories. AMAC members helped to push forward an investigation into practices that inflate drug prices. They successfully defeated ranked choice voting in order to protect traditional voting methods, and they've also helped block a federal takeover of elections. As AMAC's membership grows, Washington is listening. Every new member strengthens this movement. If you love America, visit AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News to become a four-year member for just $30. That's a great discount. AMAC is not only better for America, it's better for you. Membership gives you access to the AMAC magazine, free Social Security and Medicare guidance, money-saving discounts, trusted news, sweepstakes, and so much more. It's a community, not a service. Take advantage of our election year sale, four years for just $30 at AMAC. By joining over 2 million Americans, they can't ignore your voice in Washington anymore. Join now at AMAC, AMAC.us slash just news. That's AMAC.us forward slash just news. Hey folks, if you're a homeowner and you're like me, you want to protect your home, right? But when's the last time you checked on the title to your home? If you never have, listen to this. A new report on homeowners shows we all now have $16 trillion in equity. That's an all-time high in America. That's why you need protection from a scam the FBI calls house stealing. That's when the equity in all of our homes is the target, sadly, of scammers. If nobody's watching the title to your home, these scammers can transfer your title to their name, take out loans, and your equity could be gone. Poof, gone. You have to protect your equity from this despicable crime right now with triple lock protection from my good friends at HomeTitleLock.com. The first step is to check on your home's title to see if it's still in your name. Sign up with your address at HomeTitleLock.com and be sure to use the promo code JUSTNEWS. They're going to send you a complete title scan of your home's title and your first 30 days of triple lock home title protection. That's legendary protection, by the way. It's free. HomeTitleLock.com. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS. One more time, go to HomeTitleLock.com today and protect your most important asset, the equity in your home. 
over the last few months, you might have heard discussion of a recession. According to a new issue survey conducted last week, at least 61% of voters believe that this country is already in a recession. But the Biden administration officials are calling it something else. We don't want to devolve into the recession label debate, but I, I do wonder, do you eventually expect the NBER to declare what we're in, a recession? Well, we're certainly in a transition and we are seeing slowing as we all would have expected. Economic transition is what Biden's economist just called it a few days ago. The same phrase used by Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen and others. Are we the taxpayers in a recession or are we headed into one? President of Taxpayers Protection Alliance, David Williams, joins us now to answer that question. David, welcome to the program. How are you doing? Thank you for having me. And I mean, quite honestly, I'd feel a lot better if we didn't have 9.1% inflation, if we didn't have a $700 billion Build Back Better Inflation Reduction Act, whatever they're calling it these days. I'd feel a lot better with that. But that's where we are. And it's, and it's frustrating. And quite frankly, whether we call it a recession or not, people don't care because they're going to the gas pump. They're paying a lot more for gas. They're paying a lot more for eggs, for chicken, for basic necessities. So that's what people care about. They don't care about what, what it's called at this point. Yeah, I think that's But David, gas stole a few cents. <laughs> We're good. Um, yeah. I, hate, I hate to do this to Joe Biden, but his old boss, Barack Obama, used to say, don't raise taxes during a recession. When he was president, he at least had some, some sound advice. The Dems seem like they're headed that way. Their Re Inflation Reduction Act is really a tax increase act. Is it going to backfire, David? Oh, it's going to backfire big time because the way you increase inflation is you increase spending and you increase taxes. And that's what this bill is doing. And if you look at the tax increases, oh, my gosh, this is awful because they're going to audit people more. And the people that are going to get audited are not the higher income folks. It's the lower income folks. Those are the ones who are going to get audited. We know this because there's proof. We have seen this. The IRS and the IRS commissioner actually said, yes. We want to uh, audit poor people because we know that they're not going to fight this and they're going to pay what we tell them to pay. And then there's just other tax increases in this, um, you know, corporate tax increase you know, of 15 percent, what they call book income. And it gets a little complicated, but basically they're changing the way that they're going to tax corporations, which means corporations are going to raise prices or leave the country. It does feel like so often, and I, I know this is the status quo when it comes to legislation, but I think that if this were a private business, they would be sued for false advertising because any type of reduction in inflation or, or a, a lessening of the burden on the American people is just not in it. There's so much other garbage. But when you look at gas prices for Americans, uh, experts are saying that they may dip. The prices may dip to 350. I don't know what that necessarily means for states like New York and California because they'll still be high. But are they bound to skyrocket in the near future, even if we experience that dip? Yeah, and, and that's right, is that we may see a temporary dip right now and then going into the fall, you know, a further dip. But there has been nothing that this administration has done to make us energy independent. They stopped the drilling. Uh, they stopped a lot of things and they are so fixated on green energy, on electric vehicles that they have forgotten that people aren't buying these vehicles and that they're spending hundreds of billions of taxpayer dollars to subsidize, again, people of high income needs of, of means buying these vehicles. And you know, last year, last November, they passed, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars in green energy and the infrastructure bill. We all remember that. They're doing it again. It's this weird obsession with it. And taxpayers are paying the price. 
And that they are. And those who are arguing to protect uh, taxpayers for about the last year were saying, in Joe we trust. Of course, they weren't referring to Joe Biden. They were talking to Joe Manchin. He has now flipped onto the big spending side. There's one last holdout, Senator Kristen Sinema from Arizona. What's your prediction? Where will she come out on this bill when we're all done? So I've been talking to some folks today. And unfortunately, a little bit of bad news. I think that she is going to vote for this bill if it comes up this week. Um, you know, who knows? Someone in the Senate may get COVID and they may not have the votes for, you know, for the Democrats. But, you know, the bad news is that, you know, this is probably going to happen this week. And, you know, what a shame on Joe Manchin, because he's been saying that he will, he will never increase taxes on West Virginians or anyone else in the country. And here he is. He just sold his soul to Chuck Schumer for a few shekels. Right. I mean, this is something that is just, you know, insane and, and really shameful for uh, Joe Manchin to do this. And, you know, maybe he just likes the attention. And now he's getting really negative attention <laughs> with uh, agreeing to this massive bill. David, I just I just picture the meme of the dog sitting at the table with flames behind him that says everything is fine because you look at the economy, mm-hmm. Americans, whether they want to call it a recession or not, 61% of Americans feel like we're already there. Obviously, gas prices, immigration, so many issues. But heading into midterms, when you have Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg and others in this administration say things like, just go buy an electric vehicle. Does that resonate with voters? Does that change their mind and make them feel like maybe that dog with the coffee. Everything is fine. That is so condescending when we hear Pete Buttigieg or other people talk about just buy an electric vehicle. And we had Jen Psaki last year who said, oh, your treadmill is not going to get here in time because of supply chain issues or drink a margarita. That's so condescending, right? And the American public see right through it. And you notice that the Democrats are trying to change a lot of the discussion. You know, they're, they're talking about abortion, about guns, about other things. Well, guess what? People care about getting their kids to school, going to the grocery store, <laughs> buying groceries. That, that will be the driving issue in November. And, you know, it's going to be bad for Democrats in the House, that's for sure. And, yeah. you know, again, in what, you know, when and if Republicans take over, I hope they see what's going on and, you know, institute some real policy to bring down inflation. Yeah, we got about 40 seconds left. Hey, real quickly, uh, Republicans, last time they were in control, they didn't bring down spending like they said they were going to do. Your concerns and how do you keep a new Republican majority, if there is one, their feet to the fire to keep spending or bring spending down finally? Well, it's not about me. It's about the people in this country. It's about the people that elect them is you know, trust, but verify. Didn't Reagan say that back in the 80s? Right. Trust, but verify and make sure that if they say they're going to come in and reduce the deficit and reduce the debt, we'll make sure that's what they do. And, you know, no more excuses from either party on this. And that's why, you know, the people in this country, you know, they're becoming a lot, you know, people are smart, right? They know what's happening in Washington. And they see through all the nonsense. And that's kind of the heartening part of this is that people just, you know, don't take this anymore, quite frankly. Yeah, I think there's one thing that Americans are unified on, and it's that government is not effective. So it will be interesting to see what happens this November and thereafter. But David, thank you so much for your time and willingness to break all of these topics down. We greatly appreciate your knowledge. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to wrap things up for the day. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. 
It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports. A big thanks to General Kellogg and to David Williams for their great work today. And also... Share that video, share that story, the truth that Democrats are speaking behind closed doors that they're afraid to say in the election maelstrom in public, the midterm elections. But being able to expose what they're saying in private is such an important mission of Just the News. We got that for you today. Check it out. It is groundbreaking and newsworthy for sure. All right, before we go, you know, we're in the middle of summer. I'm going to hopefully go home tonight, get on the back deck, grill out a steak, and pull out one of my favorite bottles of wine so that Judy and I can have a glass overlooking the sunset after a long day's work. And after a long night's work, because we all worked at 2, 3 in the morning this morning on the election results. But here's one of the things I learned, and you don't want to learn this the hard way. If you don't keep your wine chilled properly, you know what? It can spoil in the sunlight and heat. Could be one of your best bottles, gone, poof, spoiled. You know what? If you want to avoid that, go to my good friends at Wine Enthusiasts. They design and offer the largest selection of wine coolers for every drinker, every budget, every size collection. Maybe you only have a half dozen bottles like I do. Well, they got a cooler for that. Maybe you're a grandiose collector and you got 600 bottles. You know what? Wine Enthusiasts has a cooler for every size collection you can imagine. And did you know... If you don't look into this, you're going to wake up one day, going to pop that cork on the wine like I did once and go, oh, this tastes terrible. How did I spoil it? Don't do that. Don't let it ruin your good time on the back deck or on the patio or while watching a good summer night movie. Get your wine chilled the right way from our good friends at Wine Enthusiasts. And you know what? They've got consultants who are experts and available by phone to help you find the right fit for all your needs. It is a premier destination, Wine Enthusiasts is, for the wine lifestyle, offering an incredible selection of unique wine accessories, glassware, furniture, wine storage, gifts, and more. So listen, if you got a loved one or a friend who's got a birthday coming up, if you got an anniversary with your spouse, hey, find a unique gift by visiting wineenthusiast.com. Or if you want to get the latest special offers that are available only because you're a John Solomon Reports listener and a justthenews.com reader. Well, they've set up a really cool thing. All you got to do is text my first name, John, J-O-H-N, to 511-511. One more time, text John to 511-511, and they're going to send you all of their exclusive summer savings made available to all of us here at justthenews.com. John Solomon reports, our family gets a good deal out of this, right? Certain exclusions may apply. You may receive up to one additional text. Text fees may apply also. You can also text stop word stop to opt out at any time. But you know what? Start by texting the word John, my name, J-O-H-N, to 511 and find out what deals and savings and great gifts you can get from the great folks at WineEnthusiast.com. I love them. They are doing great stuff. They make our journalism possible here with their gracious support. And they make sure you're not going to ruin one of those last summer gatherings by having a spoiled 
bottle of wine. Now that is worth preventing, right? All right, guys, go check them out. I do often. I love the gifts. I'm always shopping for good gifts. They're an incredible list of novel ideas, ways you can surprise a wife, a friend, girlfriend, whatever you got. There are all sorts of great gifts for anyone in the wine business. All right. That wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports Day. Thanks for listening. God bless you for your support. God bless you for supporting this great country, having its greatness and goodness at your heart, and trying to sustain it in the midst of a lot of sustained attacks today. We have a great family inside the justinnews.com world. Great listeners, great readers, great watchers. And we are honored to count you in our family. And we want to thank you for your support. One way you support us, by supporting our advertisers, partners, and sponsors. Another way you support us, by reading our content, listening to our shows, watching our shows. We are forever grateful. And we're also grateful to God for giving us this great country, the opportunity to inform it with facts at justthenews.com. And we ask that the good Lord bless this country, bless Just the News, and bless you on this very special summer evening. All right, folks, we'll be back tomorrow with another edition. Until then, God bless you. God bless this great country, as he always has. You've been listening to John Solomon Reports, a podcast from Just the News. Folks, everyone knows the next medical crisis is just around the corner, whether it comes in the form of a pandemic or something much more mundane like a tick bike. You and your family need to be prepared. That's what we learned from this last pandemic, right? That's where the wellness company comes in. You know the wellness company. We have their great doctors like Dr. Peter McCullough on all the time on our shows. The wellness company and their doctors are medical professionals that you can trust. And the new medical emergency kits are the gold standard when it comes to keeping you safe and healthy, and most importantly, prepared. Be ready for anything. This medical emergency kit contains an assortment of life-saving medications, including ivermectin and z The medical emergency kit provides a guidebook to aid in the safe use of all of these life-saving medications. So you know what you're doing. From anthrax to tick bites to COVID and even the bioweapon like the plague, the wellness company's medical emergency kit is exactly what you need to have on hand to be prepared. Rest assured knowing that you have emergency antibiotics, antivirals, and antiparasitics on hand to keep you and your family safe from whatever the globalists show your way. Go to www.twchealth/justnews today in order. That's twc.health/justnews and use the promo code justnews to save 10%. At Just the News, we break the stories others in the media ignore or are too afraid to tell. We did it on Russia collusion, Hunter Biden, and the security and intelligence failures that preceded January 6th. Our stories have real impact and reach because we stick to the facts. I'm John Solomon. You can help me expand our honest, unvarnished, and unbiased reporting by becoming a premium member at Just the News. You'll get an ad-free experience and exclusive member-only access to events. And you'll be helping us dig up more truth. Join today at justthenews.com slash subscribe.